Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey, Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. No doubt. As you as we just talked about, we're getting out of work a little bit early. We have beer on on deck. It's a great time, it's especially a great time to have a podcast. Yeah, that is much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> so tell the listeners uh, who you are and where you are right now. So I'm Brandon. I'm the you know co-owner of Superior Wilderness Designs. Um, We're located in Northern Michigan. We're about 40 miles south of the Mackinac Bridge right now. And we have you on the podcast today because you run a particularly interesting and exciting company that a lot of people enjoy, especially ultralight backpackers. Tell us about the company that you work for that you founded. Yeah, so um, we started in like late 2015, early 2016. Um, we mostly make backpacks, uh, everything is made to order. So we do a lot of, it's like semi-custom stuff, you know, not like fully custom, send us your dimensions, all of that. We've got a variety of backpack models that you can pick from, and then you can kind of like select from a few different fabrics that we stock, different colors, and then you can, um, pick like you know where you want certain pockets you know uh that's like the main thing you know add a pocket here add a pocket there um select you know whatever fabric you might want for the front pocket things like that that's a question i was sort of gonna uh, i was gonna ask you anyway that plays into it well you know let's be frank there's a lot of ultralight backpack companies on the market but the really fun thing is that everyone does something a little bit better. What's one thing, and you kind of, I think you alluded to it there, what does SWD do better than other pack companies or what really sets you apart? Um, well, in the past, I would say maybe the customizations is one of the things that kind of sets us apart. But we've actually, in the past year or so, I kind of like redesigned like our whole lineup of backpacks and just the comfort and the capability of them is like on a whole other level right now it's as far as that i think you know i mean i haven't used a you know many other people's backpacks so i can't necessarily like directly compare them myself but our stuff is like it's really really good in terms of like you know, how much you can load up a backpack, uh, how comfortable it is under heavier loads. It all kind of happened because we've gotten pretty into pack rafting in like the past year or so. And so I really wanted to make a pack rafting pack just because, you know, we needed some, it was something that interested me. And I've just been interested in like, you know, how do you make a backpack more capable just in general, in terms of like it's carrying capacity and being comfortable and eliminating pressure points and things like that. Cause it's, it's fairly easy to make a backpack that can handle 20, 
30 pounds pretty well. But as soon as you start to get anywhere above that, packs start to drop off pretty quickly. As soon as you start to hit like the 40 pound mark or so, I, I think a lot of them start to get somewhat uncomfortable. So that was kind of like a personal goal of mine was like, how do we get these things, you know, without adding a bunch of weight to them? How do you get these things to be able to handle 50 plus pounds, you know, 50, 60 pounds and, you know, ultimately without adding a ton of weight. And when you do that, you know, most people aren't carrying that amount of weight. Yeah. Unless you're doing something like pack rafting or something like that, or unless you're on like a three week trip or something. But in turn, if you make something that is comfortable at, you know, 50, 60 pounds, it's going to be super comfortable at like 20, 30 pounds. <laughs> yeah. you know? So that was one thing where in designing this bigger pack rafting pack, like it ended up being so good that it went on to kind of like influence the design of all of our other packs as well, all of our other framed backpacks. And I ended up kind of like adopting a lot of those little, you know, tweaked designs into like our base, like our standard long haul backpack. That's like our mm. most popular backpack. That's what most people end up getting from us. It's like a mid-sized framed backpack. So, and I, I didn't have to change that much. It was just like little tweaks here and there. Um, upgrading certain materials and whatnot. Sure. And yeah, so I, I would say, you know, to kind of answer your question, I, I think that is one area that really sets us apart right now is the packs are very capable. Definitely. And that's, you bring a really interesting point there that I think uh, a lot of people that do MYOG know really well, which is the kind of relationship between the weight of your pack and the, like the base, not the base weight, but the, the weight of the materials you use for your pack versus mm. the amount of weight that you put in that relationship is very interesting because normally it has to go, it's an exponential, right? It's going to raise the more weight. If you want a 40 pound, a pack that's going to hold 40 pounds, you're going to have to build a very burly pack kind of traditionally speaking, at least that's the mindset you have to be in. So I'm really interested to hear about how you have made that relationship where you can have a much heavier pack capacity while also keeping the weight of the pack very low. Do you, so uh, a lot of that has come from having like, you know, a lot of through hikers use our packs, which is like that whole trial and error thing is it turns into like, you know, trial by fire where it's like <laughs> everything is happening very fast. You know, I, if you even like have 10 people out there on a long trail using your backpacks, like one of them is going to completely destroy that thing, you know? Cause like back when we went out and tried to hike the PCT, we were using gear that, you know, we had made. And that was like back early, early days. And like, it all held together like pretty well for us, but then you get like, you know, a bunch of other people using your stuff and they just find a way to destroy it, you know? So having through hikers out there using your stuff is amazing because you find out what doesn't work very, very fast. You figure out the areas of the pack that need to be reinforced, yeah. how to reinforce them. And then, you know, I like one of the major pluses of me, like still it's, we're just a two person company, you know, so we, we make everything ourselves and I'm able to sit there as I'm making a backpack and think about 
better ways to do everything with each and every backpack that we make. And that's just kind of my natural thought process is like, how could I reinforce this in a sturdier, lighter way? You know, it's just like a, a constant thought that's in my mind. So, you know, that having you, through hikers, you just destroy something and, you know, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm very much with you. Um, that I want to, I want to get our beers open, but I have a follow-up question from that. So let's oh, just nice. chat about these. Let's mention these beers. So we prepped a little bit. So you have something unique. Tell us what you've got today, Brandon. So I'm drinking some two hearted. Yes. Bell, Bell's two hearted. It's kind of a, a classic up here. Classic for me. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. So I also, I, uh, I've got, we like to switch it up, keep it new. So I went with kind of a non-alcoholic beer today, actually, just to keep things fresh. So athletic brewing company, the freeway nice. hazy IPA, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm always down for a beer on beer on Thursday, but also why not sometimes? Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> keep yeah. it, keep it fresh. Okay. So the question I want to ask you, Brandon, and follow up to your last comment was, uh, you have, you've also done a lot of through hiking, you know, you didn't just start the pack company cause you felt like it. you have done a lot of miles and you've done a lot of testing kind of in your own right. Tell us about what kind of your pedigree of, of back of experience with backpacks and, and how you ended up creating uh, SWD. So, I mean, we pretty much started making gear like right off the bat. We, <laughs> we started getting into backpacking is probably about 10 years ago now, like in our early twenties, um, we were, we, you know, just doing some camping down in the Smokies and kept seeing like signs for the AT and whatnot. And it kind of just like got the gears turning. And I think this was like summer of 2012 or so. And, uh, we ended up deciding that we really wanted to do a long trail and that we were going to take the following summer off and do something. And we ended up doing the John Muir trail in 2013 uh, and just kind of a general like national park tour that summer with like a John Muir trail through hike, like kind of sandwiched in the middle. And then it was on the JMT that year that we got the bug to do the whole PCT at some point. Cause it was like July, we were going Southbound and you're just passing PCT hikers (laughs) the whole time. We're like, man, we got to do that at some point. And then it was 2016 that we decided to go out and try the PCT. And that was like, by that point we were, you know, making a lot of our own gear. Like we had made our backpacks, our shelter and all of that. And, um, just kind of, you know, at the time just being like, you know, just broke kids that wanted (laughs) to go travel essentially. And, um, we, technically kind of started the business to try to like raise a little bit of extra money Mm -hmm. to um actually hike the pct and it was right before then it was like winter of 15 going into 16 that we sold like started up the website and sold you know um probably like 20 30 packs something like that wow actually um, the first like real legitimate hiking backpack that I ever made was definitely out of like completely out of fabrics from ripstop. 
you know, it was all like hyper D 300 yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. And I, I've got a picture of it somewhere. That's awesome. Um, so does, does SWD out or predate when you guys did the JMT or did you start making no, gear after that? Um, I mean, I was kind of tinkering and making mm-hmm. gear the whole time, even on the JMT, uh, you know, using like tarps that I had yeah. made and I made my quill. The, the first thing that I ever made, was probably back in like, you know, 2012. And I made a, uh, a quilt and it was actually out of, like, I, I got a bunch of old down pillows from like, uh, <laughs> Salvation Army and whatnot. And it like the shell fabric and everything was pretty nice, but all of the down was just like old down pillows and whatnot. And actually that quilt's still going, like I still use no it way. now and then. And yeah, it's, it's fine. And probably probably cost like 80 bucks to make it or something like that. That's phenomenal. Um, wow. But yeah, back we weren't like, you know, going hard on like making backpacks or anything like that. It was totally just us making gear for ourselves. And then around 2015 or so, it was, it just seemed like a good idea. It was something where it's like, you know, we can make a website for fairly cheap yeah. and just take pictures of this gear that we're using. And we didn't have to invest like a ton of money into it to get it up and running. And it was like, let's just see what happens, you know? So even kind of within the first few months, we, like we we're selling packs here and there, not a ton, mm-hmm. but leading up to the PCT, we probably sold, you know, 20 or 30 packs and then put everything on hold went out and tried to hike the PCT. We only ended up doing about half of it because I did run out of money. I was trying to do it on like three grand or so. And then it was once we came back from the PCT that year that we really got the business back up and running. So it was like fall of 2016 that everything really like kicked into high gear and we've been doing it full time ever since then. That's phenomenal. That's so cool. One thing that I'm reminded of with cottage vendors and with making your own gear is I feel like gear fails so much less than we think. You know, we're always so worried about it, but hearing about your experience just taking all your own gear onto the PCT and stuff, it if we do a little bit of research and we go to the right places, we can end up with really good gear, even if it has a few mistakes in it, but rarely does, do I have ever heard of many experiences where people's gear they make just completely fails, you know, catastrophically, but similarly, you guys jumped out and started your own company, a really big endeavor, frankly. And, you know, here you are years later, still chugging along. That's super commendable, but also exciting. I think to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm, amazed by it myself you know it's like (laughs) every day i'm amazed and extremely grateful that it's still working and there are there's some things where it's like man were we like kind of reckless with you know just like (laughs) you know i mean we kind of knew what we were doing but certain things like taking a shelter like that we made out like (laughs) onto the pct and like the desert in southern california is insanely windy like there were nights where i was like this shelter is going to be torn to bits (laughs) like there is no way that it's going to withstand this windstorm and it was fine the whole time we didn't take good enough care of the zipper and the zipper did Mm. end up just like totally giving out (laughs) at some point but that's pretty common in the desert down there it's like if you don't take care of a zipper like it's it's probably gonna fail but so yeah i mean 
What sort of problems did you see with packs previously? And just to be clear, this is not to say that any packs have, you know, everyone fits people, every pack fits people differently. So there's a lot of good things about packs that people still design around. But what what features or what problems did you identify with packs previously where you were really like, I I need to make some of my own here? Or was it even just a costing? You're like, I can make this cheaper than I can buy it. So I'm I'm just gonna step out and give this a go. It was for me a combination of a cost thing and I'm just a natural tinkerer, you know, like <laughs> yeah. any the yeah. first backpack I ever had was a, a granite gear pack. And it was like, it was a great solid backpack. Like I shouldn't have done anything to it. And I completely like tore it apart and made it a frameless pack. And like, it's just, that's just kind of the way I am. Like it, all yeah. of my pants have like, you know, the belt loops cut off and like a, my own little belt sewn on like i i don't know i'm just i'm a natural tinkerer and the fact there's this kind of allure in you know the fact that it seems like it's going to be cheaper usually but then like you know i always end up like screwing up the first version of something that i'm making yeah. and then you got to make another one so i but yeah the the cost thing was a a big factor in me getting into making my own gear for sure I've always mentally had the budget for two items. Whenever I make something, yeah. whenever I'm about to jump in, like it's not even as much. I mean, def- it is financially for sure, but I am fortunate where we have a lot of scraps and I get, you know, get to use those. But I always had to think about, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to step out and make something for the very first time, I'm probably going to ruin it at least once. <laughs> and yeah. once I get past that, I get way, way more forgiving on myself. <laughs> If you really take your time and plan a couple steps ahead, you, it'll probably turn out fine. Yeah. But then, you know, if you are somebody that likes to build your own gear, what's most likely going to happen is you're going to build the first one and then be like, well, it turned out good, but I want to do this <laughs> next yes. time. And I'm that I'm still guilty of that all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, like you, uh, you referenced our uh, used gear section online. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that is um, it's often my used gear of me making backpacks for myself. They'll be lightly used. And I'm like, you know, well, I want to try this, you know, so it's often um, prototype packs or um, just things that are lightly used from me or Ashley and us deciding like, well, I, we need to try this you know? So that's, that's largely what that section of the website is when there's, when there's stuff available on there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I was going to ask you about that. I I saw that. And that's something I don't see from a lot of cottage vendors. I think it's probably one of those areas where it's, it's really hard to get stuff back and it's hard to implement systems to get that. And that's where corporate places do so well. So I was really interested to see how you, to see how you work that out. But now that makes a ton of sense, but it's also fascinating. I feel like people have like a piece of SWD history in those used packs, <laughs> but also like, I mean, when you're tinkering and playing with pockets and size and, you know, tapering and meshes, whatever. Um, I mean, no packs really the same. It sounds like at the SWD, you know, like if you, it seems like your, your product um, evolution is so rapid that, you know, no, no packs really going to be the same. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. The, the evolution is super rapid just because every single time I'm making a backpack, I'm thinking like, how could I change this and make it a little bit better? You know? And I mean, you try not to change things like 
too much necessarily mm. without like having like a, <laughs> a you know a big announcement or something but it is it, whether it's just like how can we better reinforce this area or you know whatever it may be but um yeah and maybe the the used pack section will still evolve and you know maybe if somebody maybe we'll eventually get into something where like we could buy back yeah. people's used packs and sell them or something like that but yeah for now it's it's mostly like uh just our own used yeah. gear but i i've always really liked like the patagonia worn wear mm-hmm. is super awesome that's like i i mean i try to only buy stuff from that part yeah. of their website you know just because yeah. why not it's it's cheaper and <laughs> i don't know i like buying used gear because i'm probably gonna you know use it for a little while and then like want to sell it and try something else mm-hmm. that's that's something that i do a lot with whatever a you know piece of insulation or something like yeah. that yeah it's one of my favorite parts of the cottage industry as well i talked about this with somebody else on a different episode but uh, i think it was our broad fork bags episode but i love how the cottage industry it like that we were talking about the evolution of products and how it i feel like people respond so rapidly to other new things for instance in the bike industry a new handlebar comes out and your the bike bag that you had didn't fit or doesn't fit the new handlebar and i feel like you're also kind of saying a, a version of that where as soon as you think of a new pocket to add or new reinforcement to add you can add that on the next pack that you design you don't have to wait to you know yeah. throw it through the line of hierarchy and questions and you know like board of directors and stuff you can just do that on the next one and that's so cool especially when you find small cottage companies that can do stuff for you per, you know, per diem, kind of like what you do. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, you know, gives you a certain kind of upper hand with certain things. Like, yeah, if you want to switch the fabrics that you're using or yeah, tweak a design or something. Yeah. Like it's, it's not necessarily going to take like two or three years (laughs) to implement, you know, where like you have this huge inventory of fabrics and you know all kinds of stuff ready made yeah it's it's nice to be able to you know make those little changes or if you find something that doesn't work too yeah you know like in the early days when somebody's like hey this part of your product breaks you can be like oh well i will fix that right now like immediately (laughs) today you know on yeah every single other product you're going out the door like it's that will not be an issue you know so something i wanted to talk to you about and i and it pertains kind of to the pack rafting pack that you mentioned uh is the idea of like geography based packs for instance we were talking with one of our, our adventure sponsors earlier this week who lives in in sweden and she said that uh, DCF hasn't really made its way over there in the same way. And kind of our, we deduced somewhat that uh, people are afraid of the abrasion resistance. So it kind of got me thinking of this idea of how in certain parts of the country, in certain parts of the world, certain fabrics and designs will evolve some. So I was interested to talk to you about the pack rafting pack anyway. I think that's what you said, but also as it pertains to where you live, being you know in the lake state where you have water, we also have really thick forest. Do you see your design and for SWD, do you see that as being more so a portion of where you live or more so of the action that's being taken with it? So for instance, like, you know, PCT, very different from Michigan, but the pack rafting pack might be a good conglomerate both where you're going to get in the water and be hiking a lot. Do you see it that way? Or is it totally different than that? Um, I, I tend to think of things in terms of durability, cost, and weight savings Mm. for the most part. I mean, 
there's definitely, you know, certain environments like the Southwest or something yeah. like that, where it's like a very rocky environment. You want, might want a more durable backpack, but to be honest, in general, I feel like everything should just be fairly durable. <laughs> like no yeah. matter where you live or what you're doing. I mean, there's always going to be little things or like if, say you live in the Pacific Northwest or somewhere where it rains a lot, like having a fully steam sealed or taped backpack mm. might be a higher priority. Um, but I, I tend to think of things more in terms of like, yeah, like I said, um, you know, how much does it weigh? How much does it cost? Yeah. And how durable is it? And like with the fabrics that we're using right now, it's they're kind of arranged that way. We have like the, you know, least expensive option is um, we're currently using Eco Pack. That's kind of like the just the standard uh, option, which it's similar to like VX Twenty One X Pack. Yeah, and then um, we're using some of the Ultra Fabrics which are like a, a woven UHMWPE mm-hmm. face fabric, which is like super, super durable. And we're using two different weights of those. So there's uh, the one is like 3.5 ounces per square yard. That's the lighter one. And then the heavier one is a uh, 400 denier. That's like 4.6 ounces per square yard. And, but both of them are like, super super abrasion resistant like we've been super impressed with them so far that's that's awesome yeah that is that has been the a lot of people's concern you know just like with lighter fabrics the abrasion resistance is sometimes something that can drop so i mean that's uh that's crucial i want to hear more about your pack raft pack design or how you get that mm. to shift the weight um i've made a handful of backpacks and a lot of people that come on our site are are into backpacks um and they've kind of used a pack as their gateway into myog so for people that are familiar with you know strap design and and, and weight placement and distribution and stuff how do you get 40 pounds on your back or whatever the amount of weight that you have comfortably in an ultralight pack yeah so a lot of it um, it, I found over like the past year, like I'll, I'll load up backpacks and 50 pounds has kind of been like my benchmark of like, okay. how, if I can get it to be like 50 pounds very comfortably, like I'll be pretty happy. And yeah. <laughs> a lot of it came down to, um, getting the right dimensions on the frame and also just the sturdiness and finding like the right um basically the right materials like we we've always used uh just thin half inch by eighth inch aluminum stays like two twin stays and that was always fine for you know just whatever like up to 30 35 pounds that was kind of like always what i said was like the max of our you know our older backpacks And, um, so in testing, like for a long time, I was convinced that we were going to have to use some kind of tubular, uh, frame, like Mm -hmm. some kind of like tubular aluminum frame, like a U-shaped frame or something like that. If we wanted to up that carrying capacity and it turned out with the new packs, all I really had to do was get much stiffer aluminum, which was 
kind of hard to source. We were using like <laughs> 6061 alloy before, but it took switching to 7075 for the to be like the right, you know, ingredient in huh. that part of the pack for the alloy of aluminum. And then just finding the right dimensions to use in terms of uh like how high the frame comes up behind your back essentially yeah Yeah. and so i've really found that to be able to carry that weight and pull it off of your shoulders having a frame height that comes up to around like the bottom or like you know, middle to upper portion of your ear is kind of essential if you're going to have some kind of ultralight load hauling pack. Okay. And so it was kind of those two things were like one of the main parts, you know, like stiffer aluminum, raise the frame up and then having a super, super sturdy hip belt and figuring out how to attach that directly to the frame. So that though, that's all kind of like the you know, the yeah. secret recipe, if you will, you know, that, that's super fascinating. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I, uh, I, I make a lot of like fast pack running best style kind mm. of, uh, like that style. And it is even in a, something that is 15 to 25 liters, you know, very low weight compared to what you're talking about. It's still really difficult to, distribute that weight properly. So I can, so I, the, the pack height makes a ton of sense to me trying to keep the height kind of higher, if you will, because everything, everyone knows that the weight just sits at the bottom outside, right? Like that's the worst mm-hmm. kind of weight when it's far away from your back and it's as low as possible, it just pulls you in the wrong direction constantly. So it makes a lot of sense to try, sort of compress that weight and keep it more balanced across your body. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. And with, you know, bigger packs carrying heavier loads, the one thing that always tends to happen is you get really sore shoulders, Yeah, you know, it's like that load will eventually just like start to tug (laughs) on your shoulders. So it, and actually this is kind of like, we kind of just came back to the way that load lifters were originally like intended to be Mm. used on backpacks, you know, we're like on these, you know, like our pack rafting pack, the big wild, it's got like a big tall frame on it. And when you pull on the load lifters, you can just feel it pull the shoulder straps up and it ultimately kind of like lengthens the torso length, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you wanted to, you could pull up on the load lifters and pull the shoulder straps like completely up off of your shoulders where they're like, they're not even in contact with it. And they're basically just straps coming down the front of your body that are holding the pack to your body, you know? And then, all of the load is just on the hip belt and that can ultimately eventually become uncomfortable too. Sure. You know, we're like, it, it's kind of, I, I end up carrying like most of the weight on my hips and then having like a little bit on my shoulders or like lately I've been trying to see if I can just like destroy one of these <laughs> packs just by like throwing too much weight in it. So I've been doing like, daily walks with like 70 or 80 pounds oh and things and just like seeing how it <laughs> yeah. goes. And it, that's like, it's definitely overloaded with 70, 80 pounds. Like 70 pounds isn't like too, too bad. Like it's <laughs> 70 pounds is manageable, but you'll start yeah. to get sore. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like by the end of four miles, I'll be like, 
pretty sore, but it's fairly manageable. Going up to like 80 or so is like, it's just not comfortable the entire time. And that is like, I have to just totally split the weight, like 50, 50 from my shoulders and my hips. Yeah. And they'll still both be sore, but it, it's good to take something up that high Yeah, in terms of like, you know, how much it weighs. And then like, Hey, that's just how you learn. You know, you right. learn how a pack should fit and how it should carry and, you know, really like what its limits are, you know, and at 50 pounds, like the, it's honestly, it's totally comfortable. Like it, and it's hard to even do like an actual backpacking trip around, like in our mm-hmm. area and have 50 pounds, like, unless you yeah. just bring a bunch of beer and a <laughs> right. cast iron pan or something like that, you know? So I don't know. It like, you have to do something really long to sure. you know, like a long, sure. like two or three week trip to be up that heavy, but yeah, 50 pat or 50 pounds in that backpack is honestly, it's very comfortable. Like I can do 15 miles and not hate my life. You know, all the weight weenies are just rolling right now. They can't, they can't imagine how you'd put 50 pounds in a bag. I think <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, yeah, once you're actually out there, you know, using it it's like yeah maybe you only have 20 pounds in it yeah. or something but it, it's funny because we we've been posting like a lot of pictures of like yeah, our pack rafting pack and people on instagram are always like what why who needs a 70 liter <laughs> backpack like who is yeah. using this and i i totally went through that myself where it's like why why do you need to bring a boat like, what do yeah. you mean? You're backpacking with a boat? Like, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But then, I don't know, it's it's fun to, like, go places and yeah. be able to, you know, mix it up. Like, float down a river and walk back or vice versa. It's just, like, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're totally obsessed with the pack rafting thing yeah. right now. And just all of the different areas that it opens up. And definitely, uh, it's, it's pretty fun. I think... A trend that I see in specifically in the outdoor market, and I, and I think it pertains to, to cottage companies as well, or at least just small, smaller outdoor companies, is uh, mixing recreational things in some way. You know, like I see a lot more people putting together either like DIY triathlons or adventures where they're going to be hiking to bike to ski or something, or people are doing multiple things. And it doesn't mean we have any more. Uh, financial capacity to, to, to buy all the things. So people want a pack <laughs> that can like go on a ski, like a backcountry ski tour and back and hike somewhere and ride somewhere. You know, like they're going to want that stuff. And like we talked about with the cottage industry, that is making it more possible, you know, like having a pack that could load up 20 pounds, just as well as 50 increases your capacity of adventure so much more. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think it was just something that's been, you know, kind of, it was, I think a gap that needed to be filled, Yeah, you know, whereas like what, why not be able to put that much weight in there? You know, yeah. like, I don't know. It's it, was, a, it was something I wanted personally. Right. Right. It's a great, I think you're right that there was a gap that needed to be filled. There are a ton of phenomenal ultralight backpack companies out there that are incredible for hiking, you know, like they are, top notch, but I think you're right that there is, uh, 
does does you can't buy four packs sometimes. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need one oh, pack yeah, that's totally. going to be able to split the bill. Um, and I don't know of that many that do that. I'm sure there are others. I'm sure some people. It's why they make mm. their own sometimes. But I don't know of that many that can really, really split it to be mo- kind of a multi-sport pack in that way. Kind of like mm. like where yours is. That's really I, I love that a lot. What are some features that um, people who have prototyped or used or bought your packs love most? Uh, some people talk about pocket placement. Some people talk about shoulder strap width. Just what are, you know, making those up, but what are some examples of that for you that people really love about SWD? Um, yeah, I think what people like the most is being able to go onto the website and kind of like build their own backpack and mm-hmm. it feel like they're getting exactly what they want you know so it's it's not necessarily i mean there are certain combos that are like you know fairly popular like getting a tall pocket on one side and upper pocket on one side but i think it's just feeling as though you kind of you know got to create something yourself you know and like you're almost like putting it together and um that's actually something that I'd like to do at some point is have our website to where like you can kind of like build something and visually see yeah. what you're putting together. But I don't know, we're probably still a little ways away from that. Um, That'd be really but cool. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I think that that is a big part of what draws people to us though, is being able to kind of just feel like you're creating something, you know, that's your own personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you have a direct hand in it then, you know, compared <laughs> to just like acquiring, which is exciting for some people in some ways. Um, but if you get to like pl- place that together then you know, it's yours and it's going to function a certain way. And there's a kind of a responsibility that you have to put together the best pack for your endeavors. Yeah. And, you know, we're dealing with like, you know, like ourselves, it's always, you know, ultralight nerdiness is like, you know, people know exactly what they want. They're like, I, I need this pocket here because that's where I store my water filter <laughs> or I want to store my tent here. Like you know, there's that, the ultralight nerdiness definitely, you know, comes, comes into play there. Yeah. In your professional opinion, someone has been working with textiles for a while and backpacks for a while, what's missing on the market? I feel like we, there's, there's a lot of great things out there, but just as people that get to tinker and play with fabrics all the time. I feel like we always have ideas of stuff. We're like, ah, oh, I just, I can't wrap my finger on this or I haven't found this. What's that item for you? Um, well, you know, the whole like, uh, UHMWPE or Dyneema essentially, like it, I would like to see more products made out of that and see it like a little bit more, competition in Mm. that area you know just see like what people come up with you know with like with the uh ultra fabrics that we're using right now it's like it's crazy to me how few fabrics are actually using that material for like the face fabric of you know the fabric like it it, one of the big thing big things now is like laminates you know x-pack dcf they're all laminates you yeah. know where they they actually have like a waterproof layer amongst you know other mm-hmm. layers laminated to them as opposed to using like a a coated fabric yeah. you know which was used more traditionally in outdoor gear um 
but it's it's just amazing to me that it has taken so long for somebody to come out with something where they're actually using you know Dyneema or UHMWPE for like the the face of yeah the final product because that's where the abrasion resistance really comes from you know with something like hybrid DCF you know that layer of fabric is essentially hidden on the inside yeah so like which is you know has always kind of been like the main complaint with that fabric because it's like yeah. it's just a polyester face fabric and a relatively light one you Definitely. know like yeah. even like the the more popular fabrics like the 3.5 ounce has like a 50d face fabric on it you know yeah. and even like the you know the five ounce is like 150 d polyester mm-hmm. face fabric and for what they are those fabrics are actually like reasonably durable but yeah. it, i mean if you're gonna push the dyneema thing so hard it's like it really should be on the face of the fabric and it should be able to stand up to some real abuse you know yeah we actually with um the that ultra 400 that mm-hmm. we've been using we did a test uh like a couple months back this was actually dave chenault over at bedrock and paradox i sent him one of our big pack rafting packs and told them to just like break it (laughs) you know at all costs and he ended up uh like tying it up to the back of his car and dragged it along a dirt road (laughs) for like two miles just to like really you know kind of like test the abrasion resistance and actually it was like it was great like um, it did get one hole like where, uh, the roll top stiffener was, yep. um, like rolled up, you know, so yeah, it was like, yeah. there was like a very hard object rubbing against the ground. And it, like it did get a hole right there. Um, but overall it's like it, the pack was like pretty unscathed after being dragged on a dirt road for two miles. So it's like, obviously there's a lot of promise right, with that right. type of thing, you know? So I think seeing more products with, you know, that are incorporating yeah. something like that. Or I know like you yeah. guys have that venom fabric, which like I haven't tested out mm-hmm. a whole lot personally, but just more things like Definitely. in that realm, you know, it, yeah. it is more expensive, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, I think it is worth it. If you could really get something that will last like decades and decades, like, that's it's totally worth it even if it costs Absolutely. an extra like 30 50 dollars for Absolutely. a backpack or something you know did he get a video of dragging that pack around to the yeah. truck? because i would love to yep. see that <laughs> yeah there there is a, a video if you search like uh challenge ultra weave abrasion test perfect um, i gotta yeah, see that yeah it's so, it's pretty funny i don't i i can't make all your dreams come true yet but i can say that recently um actually in ep- episode 29 we were, we were able to talk to some people from dsm and oh, in nice. early 20 or actually i shouldn't say early 22 i don't know what everything looks like technically but in 2022 um people from dsm and who work with the dyneema fibers and outdoor fabric applications and stuff have told us that there are a lot of new fabrics coming out in the woven with DCF sector. So stuff where the, where the Dyneema fiber will be woven into woven, like, like high abrasion faces are, 
are going to be coming out kind of uh, pretty strong in 2022, including a new fiber that they use in their uh, glove and cut resistant market for like, mm. I don't even know, tactical markets, I guess, but where the, where like, where the fibers are designed to like repel knife stabs and stuff like that, or, or cuts. Um, so apparently these are super high abrasion resistance um, and uh, a little bit cheaper apparently than our traditional DCF fabrics have been. So I'm really excited. I haven't seen them myself yet. I don't even know what these fabrics look like, but it it's kind of one of those things that a lot of people have talked about and been like, I'll just love for DCF to be more abrasion resistant, you know, or, you know, mm. tear strength is super rad, but it only goes so far if I throw it on a rock, you know? Um, so apparently those fabrics are coming. So we're all stoked to really, really happy to see what they come up with and see what those are. But there's a lot of good applications coming. You know, we work very closely with DSM. So there apparently are really good fabric applications coming out with high abrasion resistance um, and still high tear strength, kind of still all of those attributes that, that DCF is known for coming out in 2022. Nice. Well, yeah, that's definitely exciting. I, I yeah. figured at some point they would have to catch on, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, be like, Hey, we need, we need something better here, you know, yeah. cause it always seemed to me like the, the hybrid DCF was almost like an afterthought, you know, like it, I think DCF <laughs> makes like, a lot of sense with yeah. something like, you know, for a tent, I don't think that there's necessarily, you know, any competition for something like the <laughs> sure. 0.7 or 0.5 ounce, even, you know, like, yeah. it's just going to be a very, very light tent. And there's so much fabric there, but with, with the hybrid DCF, it kind of seemed like they just like slapped a polyester face fabric onto their tent fabric and we're kind of like let's let's see if this works for backpacks you know yeah. like it, it works pretty good yeah but it's not like it's it's not it's definitely very obvious that it's not like the be all end all you know yeah and for me it's very um it's very specifically suited i think too you know like it does certain things incredibly you know but it yeah. probably isn't going to be that cross sport type of pack. Mm. What's something, Brandon, that you want people, listeners, to know about SWD? As we're kind of as we're wrapping up here on time, what's something that you want the rips up on the record people and MYRGers um, really across the world to know about your making style or SWD packs, or just something that you want to pass on from kind of maker to maker? I would like people to know that we're super grateful for being able to do what we do and to be a part of this community and um yeah to be able to kind of be in contact with you know people that are doing the same things that we love every day you know i get to yeah. hang out and even just answering emails is like <laughs> i get to hang out and talk to people about their backpacks and yeah we're we're definitely extremely grateful to um get to do what we do and if anybody ever has any questions about building their own stuff i'm always happy to uh provide some insight you know that's awesome where can people reach you i mean we'll link all your website and instagram and stuff there but uh just let people know what the website is and and what your instagram is cool it's um swdbackpacks.com and then the Instagram is superior.wilderness.designs. And our email is like the longest thing ever. I still need to change it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, superior wilderness designs LLC 
at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. I will put those in the show notes. People can can click on that. Finally, as we kind of last question, um, what sort of adventures do you have planned coming up? What are you prototyping next? Kind of what's the next little thing for you? Um, well, something totally different. I, I've always kind of had this like one pound framed backpack goal, like kind of like on my mind. And I don't know that we'll necessarily hit that, but I'm working on getting, um, like a new backpack to kind of like bridge the gap between like our frameless packs and our framed long haul packs. So I'm hoping to maybe hit something in like the like 18 to 20 ounce range. That's like a comfortable framed backpack, take it up to like 40 pounds comfortably, but be in like the 18 to 20 ish ounce range. I don't know exactly where it'll land, but that's, that's definitely in the works right now, as far as new packs. And, um, we're kind of just having fun exploring Northern Michigan right now. We live next to like a big old chunk of public land up here in Northern Michigan. We're by like the, uh, the elk herd and all of that. So honestly, that's kind of like our main thing. It's like just hanging out, exploring up here. We're by a couple of rivers. We can, you know, get out and do some rafting and just, you know, go out and get lost in the woods for the weekend. (laughs) That's phenomenal. Brandon, I'm so excited to see what you come up with with that pack. I uh, I've loved picking your brain. I love how your brain works. How you're constantly tinkering with new stuff. I I totally identify with that, and I, it's been really exciting to talk to you and hear about what you do. Thank you for sharing this time with us. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great chatting. Absolutely. Well, we uh, we joke a lot that we have what we call the ripstop um, ripstop on the record tour or the ripstop on the record field trip, where we need to go visit these people that we talk to. Um, we've kind of talked to all sorts of people, and uh, I can confidently say that none of us have been to Michigan. So maybe one day if we find ourselves up in Michigan, we'll come stop by SWD and say hi. Yeah, honestly, Michigan's great. It's kind of like. Northern Michigan and the upper peninsula are definitely like a little hidden gem. Yeah. If you're ever in the area, you are more than welcome to come and hang out. We'll uh, you know, do this same exact thing sitting by a campfire. That would be awesome. That'd be fantastic. All right, Brandon, well, I won't keep any more, but have a great day. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to see what you, do, what you guys do. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later, man. 